Welcome to the Redeem Evangelical Mission Tram Atlanta. This is a place where we gather together in quality praise and worship of the true and living God. Equipped with the world of God for growth and fellowship with one another. God bless you as you listen to this message. Glory to God, glory to God. Who says that the gospel does not save? The gospel on its own is powerful. It does not need manipulation. No. It does not need assistance. Just preach it and it will save. It will break every yoke. Can I hear loud amen? That's, that's, that's what it is. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believes. For therein, in that gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed. From faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Can I hear loud amen? In the gospel, we believe to see. You don't see to believe. You believe to see. You confess to receive. You don't receive and then confess. No. That's what the gospel is all about. You are who God says you are. You are what God says you are. You can do what God says you can do. No one has an excuse. In a world where there is so much confusion and people who are looking for answers, everything has been tried. But a lot are not trying Jesus. We try everything. 20 steps to this, 21 steps backward, 32 steps sideways, 64 leftward. And when you do all that, still not working, let's return back to the man who was buried, who was crucified, who died, who was buried, and rose and seated and all these things are for us in our place and the scripture says as he is in this world in other words we should stop looking for Jesus we should start looking for you stop looking for you he is the head we are his body the head and the body cannot be separated so the challenge is that we are looking for the, the head can operate without us we are looking for the head what of you I, I, my prayer is that you take this conference seriously there is, there is something I'm targeting there's something in my spirit that I'm targeting. You see, it doesn't take God multitudes to, 
to ignite something powerful. Doesn't take a multitude. John was in the in the wilderness of Judea. Wilderness. And people were coming from every city looking for him. From city. You would have thought that the city is where the crowd will be. But the Bible said people were leaving the city. Looking for him in the wilderness. So you see, it's not about location. It's about carrying fire in your head. Can I hear loud amen? Tonight, I'm so excited for uh, their friends who are here again. Every year, they have always graced our... Come on, celebrate them, celebrate them. Bishop Tudor and Dr. Tabil are very busy men of God, but they're really very busy. So don't ever think that simply because they grace here every year, it is just easy. Walk in, tell them to come, and they will come. No. I know the two of them. I've been, I've been in their church several times. I know the extent of their, of, the, of their involvement, what they are doing, not just in their nation, but globally. I know. And so when you see it, then come here. It's a one-year one advance notice. It's a one-year. It's like cornering them that you are not escaping, you are coming again. Praise the Lord. I really thank God for their lives I th and I thank God for our relationship what God they've truly been a huge blessing our relationship has gone beyond preaching or not preaching there is so much that I learned when we fellowship together so much I learned from them the wisdom they the understanding the way to navigate through some corridors or is that some of us do not know how to handle prominence you don't know how to handle when god exposes you to greatness there's a way you can handle greatness that it will shut the door permanently for your life and a lot of people have suffered such reverses because they don't know how to behave before greatness they don't know these are some things that God will teach you as you begin to relate and who you relate with will determine how far you can go be careful who you hang around so that they don't infest you with negative spirit yeah we love every person but every person must not be your friend you see you your destiny is more important than than just you see me family has not got to do with my destiny if I notice that you are my family member and you are going to be a disruption to where I'm going I'll set you aside I'm telling you my destiny is so critical not after preaching for 51 years at this stage I'll be messing around no 
I told them that I'm, I'm not I've traveled I'm, I'm telling you I've gone to places I've gone to great places since God exposed me to different parts of the world but I some that I I knew I can't stay here great people but I knew I can if I stay here I will I will be relegated to obscurity I cut it off no problem no quarrel but mm -mm. if I continue this way so you come to a stage in your life you are not trying to prove a point you are, you are just you just want to love Jesus amen tonight we are blessed we are going to get in a double header double header the first person coming is the oh we have in our midst my friend Reverend Mrs. Mercy Ezekiel to see you. We are so happy to see you. Just know that we have you in prayers. We have your back. Amen. All is well. Come one, one more time celebrating. I think we have to introduce everyone here. We have the admin secretary of PFN, Reverend Akiola. Give him a good God bless you. And of course, Dr. Floris Peters. Give him a good God bless you. Floris is one of our speakers in this conference. He will be speaking on Thursday. He's one of our speakers. Celebrate him. I will, I will speak more on him on Thursday. But for now, he came with his beautiful wife. Come and celebrate his wife. You know, when I went to preach for his, in his church, I was just, we just recently met, not just in May this year. When I went to preach for him in his church, I said, why is it that all of you preachers are always looking for pretty women? Is it that when you are, when you are supposed to be doing the work of God, your eyes are looking for pretty? Praise the Lord. Amen. Can I hear loud? Amen. Jane on all you are glad you are here. Amen. Well, are you ready? Let's invite to the microphone the Lion of Zimbabwe, Bishop Tudor Bismarck. If 
God has put a stamp of approval on your life. If you have a, a, a direct line of accountability, accountability, and your elders have given you a license to minister in the kind of way, you don't need anyone's approval. Anyone's approval. You do what God has called you to do. You do it in the lane He has called you to do it in, and you do it with all of your might. With all, all of your might. I was telling uh, TJ, because TJ was wanting to know how we were and how we had traveled. And I said, I know that Bishop is in the country that he loves, second to Zimbabwe, second to Ghana. I said that if he could have a bridge that took him from Zimbabwe to Ghana to Nigeria, he'd build that bridge and cross that bridge daily. <laughs> Amen. He really loves being here. And um, I just want to say thank you so much to Papa, uh, to Bishop Michael Kwankwa, and to Bishop Peace Okwankwa. Thank you so much for the invitation always. Bishop says, I can't wait to see Uchi. I want to just give her a hug. I haven't hugged her for a whole year. <laughs> so please don't forget to hug Bishop today. Amen. I just want to thank and praise the Lord for the power of God. And thank you for the title for the conference uh, this theme that has given out Jesus. He's the answer. He's our everything. There is so much that the world is facing. And we know what the solution is. We should count it a privilege to be called to serve him. Because if it wasn't for Jesus, where would we be? That testimony of that wonderful young lady that sang here this evening. I said to the Lord, if we could find a million more like her just hungry for God, looking for Jesus in all the wrong places. But there's one door open, amen, a door to salvation, amen. And it's through the power and the precious blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. There is none other, no better. I thank him for his call on my life and the service that he's given me, the privilege of knowing him. May the Lord bless you this evening, amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise, everybody. Give him a loud shout in the house today. Yes! While you're standing, let's go to Psalm 119, verse number 104, and John chapter number 9, verse 4 and 5. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Thank you. Therefore, I hate every false way. Your word is a don't be boring. Your word is a unto my and unto my so principally lamps are for feet, lights are for paths. So when God orders the steps of a good man, it's a lamp that's guiding your steps. 
But when God begins to direct your path, there's going to be light that directs your path. John 9 verse 4. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night comes when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Father, I add a blessing to this word in Jesus' name. Amen. For 40 minutes, I'm going to preach to you on the subject, look for light. Look for light. Please be seated. Everything in the molecular world gravitates, leans, moves, looks for light. Looks for light. Leans towards light. So what is light? Firstly, very briefly, not even theologically, just uh, God is light. God is light. Jesus is light. He is the light of the world. He is the light of heaven. Light is not just light that illuminates a room or the earth through the sun, the stars, the moon. But light could also be referred to as revelation knowledge, illumination. Revelation knowledge is light. This is the opening of a mind, the opening of an idea, the unlocking of a philosophical, uh, idealistic view that could be shut. When light shines on the subject and knowledge is released, that's said to be light. And so uh, there are times when we are walking a path and we don't know which way to go. The only way we can find our way is when there is light given on our path. And so when God adds light, the Bible says, the righteous, the righteous will find the path and light will come to that path. So when a person walks righteously on a pathway to attain light, uh, automatically, simultaneously, will gravitate towards the righteous. The path of the righteous is a bright path. Uh, the soul of a man in darkness, there is light inside your spirit. The, the candle of the Spirit works in you, and God uses that candle to identify the dark, hidden things in your life. And so there's light working inside of you even as we speak. No matter how dark a person might be, and let me get on the bandwagon and appreciate our sister that sang so ably and so confidently and so saved and thank you bishop for allowing that testimony to be played it really ministered to us in such a magnificent way uh, but as she said as 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 far as she went down to some of the darkest places a human being can go and there are people that have gone even further in darkness but inherent in every person 
is the light of the soul and the spirit. And just a spark can ignite a person to the major light, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we're dealing with light as an entity, we want to dialogue very briefly the, the differences between darkness and light. They live together. It is dark in Lagos right now. It is light in daylight in Australia, I'm assuming. So one part of the world is dark, one part of the world is light. There are times in your life when you walk in darkness, but there are times in your life when there's light. Sometimes in your life as a person, you can have the greatest moments of your life and at the same time, the darkest moments of your life at the same time. So Jacob finds himself at Ephrata in that place. He loses his life in the love of Rachel. When Rachel died in that tent giving birth to Benjamin, a part of Jacob dies and, and, and if you ever lose a spouse, you'll know that to be true or a child. I was preaching earlier this year in Johannesburg and the great Kenneth Meshu was there. And he's in his 80s now. He had lost his wife earlier this year. And he said to me, he said, Tudor, I've come for you to pray for me. I said, Dr. Meshu, you know, there's so many people here that can pray. He said, no, I've come because I know in your role as the chairman of the Council of African Apostles, he said, I want that prayer, the grace of Africa prayer. He said, I want that prayer. And uh, he said, I lost my wife for over 60 years. We were together. He said, when I buried my wife, he said, half of myself was buried with her. And he knelt down and because of the stature of the man and my respect for him, I put my hand on his shoulder. He said, no, Tudor, I didn't come for a game. He took both my hands, put them on his head and commanded me to pray. I prayed a simple prayer of comfort and peace, resuscitation, regeneration, and to be revived. It was like two massive taps opened on his eyes. Tears came rushing down. He stood up. He said, my bishop, it is done. It is done. I am well. Tell teacher I love her. And he left. And so there are times in your life when, when you are in light and in darkness at the same time. When you are in that place, never ever allow the darkness to dominate or the voices that are precipitated by darkness to speak negativity in your ear. Never allow that. I know you love Rachel. I know when you kissed her and you said, this is the girl I'll work for and marry now that she's dead. Don't concentrate on that dark moment. Give everything you have to son of my right hand. Benjamin is with you. Benjamin is the exchange for what you love most. And out of Benjamin, kings are coming. I need you to tell somebody, don't cry too much. Don't cry too much. And so, and so when we're dealing with the entities of light and darkness, I want to just say people uh, who make significant contributions in life to life, 
to the earth, to the ministry, I call these individuals life givers. They are originators of content. They are originators of substance. They cohabit in the world of innovation. They spend years sometimes in obscurity and in darkness. But it takes a moment when the light comes on. And when that light comes on, whatever it is, in whichever category you find it, all of society, or their family, or a nation, or a faculty, changes forever. Once light is discovered and re is released, it moves in a specific direction into infinity. And once something has been discovered, and once the light has come on, it can never ever be undiscovered and it can never ever be put in the box. An idea can never be, here's a word I'm gonna to add to help me, a word can never be de-identified. It cannot be de-ideared. Once an idea comes, it's in eternity forever. I believe Chronicles, or is it Deuteronomy in the 30s, says that the, the, the secrets that God gives us, he gives it to the family of man. And once that's given to us, it belongs to us and our generations forever. And so we might be in darkness in Zimbabwe for whatever reason. It's just going to take one person for a spark and a light to come and the entire community will never ever be the same. Shout, I'm a light bearer. I'm a light bearer. Shout, I'm a light bearer. Yeah, I'm preaching to somebody here. You don't feel like much this evening, but light is trying to burst out of your spirit to change the conditions and circumstances of your family. The only way to remove present light, the only way to remove light is not by adding darkness. The only way to remove present light is by increasing the intensity of light. And so, Paul, if you are on your way to Damascus doing what you think is right, based on your present light, with legitimate papers to arrest Christians, you had legitimate papers in your category of light and authorized the killing and the murder of Stephen in Jerusalem. Now on your way doing the right thing, which you assume is the right thing, your doctorate in law that you got in Tarsus has empowered you in a level of light to a certain extent. But now on the road to Damascus, you are not gonna enter the world of darkness so the light you walk in can be seen. You are going to meet Jesus, the light of the world. He's going to show you that your light is actually darkness. And he's going to take you to the Arabian desert and put you in bright light so much so that scales are coming on your eyes to blind you of what you saw before, to blind you of what you were accustomed before, and you are going to be detoxed because once you have a taste of that kind of light, you never want to go back to that kind of obscurity. Put your hands together with some praise. And so, 
in your search for light when you look for light what is the agenda in your quest in searching for light or enlightenment what is your agenda is it personal is it self-gratification is it to attain wealth is it to advance your family is it to improve the quality of life of your neighborhood your village your country is it to eliminate killer diseases on the continent is it to improve the quality of clean water is it to end corruption please jesus in a nation what is the agenda that you have in walking in the light or seeking light uh, is 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 the light that you're seeking is it more personal or is it for spiritual gain i would admonish all of us to seek the kind of light i'm trying to expound to you for godly gain so that when we walk in light that we are discovering our lives become a light that is on a city that cannot be hid that those that have lived and dwelled in darkness for decades will see light or hope that if God could do it for Mike Aquanqua who started preaching 51 years ago he can do it for the young kid that's about to be ordained at the end of this year because if God could sustain this with the level of light he's walking in God can sustain you with the level of light you are going to be exposed to and so light must never be for self gratification yes you get the benefit of it but light must be for God's glory to improve to improve to enlighten to strengthen the people of God I need a strong amen in our quest to discover light and to seek light we must pre be prepared to go to war it's always a fight to get illumination to get an awakening to get understanding in the words of the great Winston Churchill he said and I quote all I can offer is blood toil tears and sweat we must wage war there is no substitute for victory victory against a monstrous enemy a monstrous enemy sisters and brothers is darkness and we have to wage war against darkness in our conversations in the decades gone by dr audible myself bishop aconco and others uh, august men in our group have always felt and thought that in our lifetime we'd see Africa move very quickly into a first world status whatever that means I'm not sure if America is in a first world status go to California duh. <laughs> but what what I'm saying is that where roads work and trains are on time and airplanes actually function and systems are in place to move people forward I was convinced in 1988 approaching 1990 that by the year 2000 Africa as a whole would be liberated to be a first world continent and further convinced that in my lifetime I would enjoy with many others the United States of Africa 
enjoying wonderful privileges as African people enjoying the resources that God has endowed our great continent but enjoying the gifts the talents the diversities the skills of African women and African men who are so effervescent so brilliant so magnificent so intelligent so far ahead so out of the box not just physically but in the spirit world you name it we have it you name it we do it you name it we've done it being there we've done that and I was so convinced and I find that the closer I get to what I feel is a drive of the spirit to get to that light the more intense we feel the darkness pushing back as it pushes back chapter number 19 of Exodus as gross darkness pushes back it's a sign to me we are about to we are about to penetrate into the most incredible exorbitant light we have ever experienced shout I'm seeking light shout I'm seeking light I'm looking for it every single day of my life I say to myself Bishop this is the day I'm going to see the light I've been looking for all my life this is the day I'm going to experience the illumination I've been searching for all my life. There's never a day that goes by, especially now, where I'm looking and saying, this is the light I believe we can have. Blessed are those who seek because you shall. Tell your neighbor, say, look for it. It's close. Yes, 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 yes. I'm nearly there. So light is a system of order. Say that. Light is a system of order. Darkness is a system of disorder. Okay. Light takes much time to discover if you look at individuals like Edison and Tesla and many of those innovators and many of those creators inventors it took a long time for them to discover light darkness doesn't need motivation to exist it's just there ignorance doesn't need university training to exist it's just there Poverty doesn't need uh, uh, schooling to exist. It's just there. But the antithesis of all those things I've mentioned means it's a fight and we're willing to fight to attain light. I need all the men to say amen. amen. And so everyone of us in this room, we are at a breaking point for discovery I am more convinced than I've ever been that we at the breaking point as a continent as a people as Nigerians as Ghanaians Zimbabweans and the 54 55 other countries we're at the premise the precipice of a massive breakthrough and discovery into marvelous light the wars don't make sense going on in the world and so we pray for peace there and we should but while that's going on I'm saying this is a distraction for what is coming 
on the horizon of what God wants to do. We are losing thousands of Zimbabweans every week to health services in the UK and various places in the world. For us, it's a distraction. This year, we've lost almost 45% of our choir and almost that number in our congregation to go and do menial tasks in a country where the weather sucks, they don't support Liverpool, they just, in a country where they work so hard and get very little in return and can't send money home. The devil is a liar. Because right here on this continent, we're about to find out the purpose and the greatness for our great continent. Someone say, I'm looking for light. Ah, so there are types of darkness. There is lack of knowledge, that's darkness. Come on, Tudor. There is lack of natural light, that's darkness. There's lack of physical lighting, that's darkness. There is lack of knowledge, that's darkness. And then there is spiritual darkness that is demonically inspired. And so let's go through a number of stages in the way the light we experience is given. 20 minutes and I'm done. And so the match, the matchstick, was invented by John Walker, where he took sulfur and mingled it with a few chemicals, and in that mixing, struck against them by mistake and created the matchstick. The matchstick changed the world forever. A small little stick with some sulfurous uh, uh, material on there just changed the way we eat and cook and so on. It took centuries for one man to discover a simple thing that we take for granted. But that was the beginning of the, la the journey of moving from darkness physically into extraordinary light physically. It's also metaphorically the story of human illumination coming out of gross demonic darkness, walking towards marvelous light, the light that Adam experienced in the Garden of Eden with Almighty God. The Egyptians in 3000 BC created the candle light. It's made from basic animal fat and bee wax with a little bit of a piece of flax or cotton. We take candles for granted, but it took years for a bunch of innovators to create a candle light. And when you see the candle, it has a lot of emphasis even in our historicity theology in the Old Testament. And then there is the fire torch, which is what you'll see in Indiana Jones movies. This is where individuals took wax and they took some sort of tar, wrapped a cloth around it and made a torch. You'll see this with Gideon when he fought the Midianites. When they broke the calabash boxes, they held up their torch. Just 300 lights overcame 
tens of thousands of soldiers that were determined to destroy Gideon and his armies. A little bit of light will destroy generational forces that have kept our families and our people down. Just a little bit of light, just a little bit of light, just a little bit of light. I mean searching for just a little bit of light. Say, God, give me just a little bit of light. Then there is the lantern. The lantern comes out of the Babylonian era. And then, of course, we have the light bulb and yada, yada, yada. That's uh, Edison and that bunch, the spotlight, and we can move on. I think I've made my point. And so our scripture is Psalm 119, verse 105. Look at your feet. Look at your feet. Look at your feet. Say, there are lamps on my feet. Say, there are lamps on my feet. We have been so beaten down as a people, we are scared to walk anywhere. And so if you are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, don't look at your feet, look at the lamps. Look, look at the lamps, look at the lamps. Just, just tell your neighbor, say, look at the lamps. That, that means, Johnny, you gotta keep on walking. Just, just look at the lamps. Just, just look at the lamps. Tell your sister, say, stop crying. Stop crying. Look at the lamps. You lost your husband. You lost a child. You lost your business. You've been betrayed. That's darkness. But look at the lamps. Look, look at the lamps. So the two men walking on the road to Emmaus were walking away from Calvary and walking back to Mount Sinai for two tables of stone. And as they walked, they talked about Jesus. And they took a step each. The minute they were walking a step each and on that path, they attracted the light. Because when you are walking and talking about Jesus, a lamp, that Jesus, will come and light up your feet. And when you are walking on a path, you draw him in to light up your way. And when you sit down and break bread, he will open your mind, he'll bring light onto what was hidden from you. I need you to say, I'm walking in the light. Oh my God, I'm walking in the light. We are demanding breakthroughs in this conference such as never been experienced before because of the light that God is shedding abroad, not just in our hearts, but in this conference. You are going to experience the light of Jesus in such a magnificent way where chains that you don't even know were there are going to be broken. Come on, break the chain, break the chain, break the chain. Two more slides and I'm done. Individuals that saw God's light and were changed forever. Abraham, Genesis 15. He made a covenant with God. God put him to sleep. And the Bible says in 1517 of the book of Genesis, and it came to pass that when the sun went down, natural light, and darkness came up, natural darkness. Behold, a furnace and a burning lamp passed between the pieces. In other words, Abraham, I'm about to direct your steps now in a journey you've never had before. And I'm going to lighten your way 
all the way to the Messiah and beyond. There are many inside of you, kings and priests, bankers and educators, businessmen and politicians, apostles and prophets are inside of you, but they cannot be released. You have to let the natural light move away so that spiritual light can be awakened in your spirit. With you it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Another one that saw light three times was Moses. He's in his 80s now. He walked away from Egypt with a warrant out for his arrest. He killed an Egyptian trying to save, uh, he killed an Egyptian trying to save a Hebrew boy because he had to now come to illumination as to who he was, but more so the purpose of God in his life. And for the purpose of God to be revealed in his life, he had to kill the system that had held him for 40 years. And when he killed the system, the Hebrew in him jumped up, but he fled into darkness for 40 years. But in that darkness, Midian, the priest of God in the earth and the head of state of a nation began to teach him how to be a head of state, how to govern, how to rule, how to be a priest, how to understand the systems of running a nation. And when he was ready, he's walking in the backside of the desert and he sees a bush catch on fire. I don't know why God chose that bush. It was a bush that was planted somehow by God way after Moses was born. Sisters and brothers, on your journey, there are things that are yet to be planted. And when they are planted, their designation is to catch on fire, to get the fire inside of you awakened. That bush catching on fire is to get the bush inside of you on fire. The natural fire has to wake up the spiritual fire. Stop sleeping, wake up the fire inside of you. I'm preaching to someone here who's so discouraged, but there's a fire that's about to be awakened in your life. Give yourself a high five and shout, that's me. The second time Moses sees the fire is the pillar of fire. Fire as a pillar will light up your night and direct your path. And then he saw the fire of the candlesticks. Let me close, sisters and brothers, by giving you an encouraging word. Jesus said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming, but don't be afraid of the night. Don't be afraid of natural darkness, because I am the light of the world. Don't be afraid of... <laughs> Don't be afraid of your money getting funny again. Chichi and I know what we're talking about. Amen. I am the light of your economy. 
Don't be afraid of elections and the results of what's taken place. I am the light of the world. Don't be afraid that you lost your ministry, your church, your name, your business. I am the light of the world. And in this season, as you're seeking God, look for the light. It doesn't have to be a bright light. It can be a match that will set a forest fire. It might be a candle to search out your soul. It could be a torch to lead you in a cave to discover a secret. God might send you a furnace and put you in that furnace. Sisters and brothers, in the midst of your trial, God will take Nebuchadnezzar and heat up a fire that could melt gold, heat it up seven times. The reason he had to heat it up seven times, that was the light that Jesus was accustomed to living in. They were in natural light, but now they had to be in the light that Jesus lives in. Let me close with this. The fire couldn't burn them. The light was so bright, like Job, that fire purified them as gold. And Nebuchadnezzar said, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, you children of the Most High God, come out of the fire. The three boys stepped out, but notice with me, he never called Jesus out of the fire. The fourth man stayed in the fire. The reason he stayed in the fire is because he knew in November 2023, someone's going to go into the fire and he's been waiting for you in that fire. Give someone a high five, say, look for the light. In tragedy, look for the light. In trial and test, look for the light. In ambiguity, look for the light. In moments when you are low, look for the light. Clap your hands for great light. Everybody stand. Matthew 14, Iowa. Matthew 4, verse 14. Come on, Judah. Matthew 4, verse 14. Spoken of the prophet Isaiah saying, verse 15, the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtalim, by the way of Galilee, this, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. Verse 16, this is your scripture. This is for you, your family, your nation, your business. The people which sat in darkness, what did they see? What did they see? Shout, I'm great light. Be passionate, shout, I'm great light. And to them that sat in the region, it's a region of the shadow of death. What happened? 
What happened? Ah, oh, whatever death experience you in, you're about to spring up. You're about to spring up. Come on, say, say, spring up. Call your name. Say, Judah, spring up. Judah, spring up. We love you, Trem. God bless you in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. What a blessing. Bishop Tudor, that's a blessing. Come on. Celebrate Bishop Tudor. You know, Bishop Tudor has a unique way of God communicating. You really have to be attentive to be able to connect to what he's saying. Very very rich and uh, profound speaks in many pulpits across nations of the world we are glad that you you know I told you while I was sharing with you in the morning that one of the things you understand when people walk pulpits like this it is what they leave behind that is very vital. It's an atmosphere, it's a spirit. That's why you're careful about just bringing any type of people. In fact, that's what, one of the things I learned from very key leaders across the nations, strong leaders. You will, you will observe if you are very close, you begin to ask yourself, why do they always bring the same people? But having grown up in ministry now, I understand it. I understand it. I almost made a major error many years ago when I listened to somebody, some people. They wanted a kind of preacher. You know, if you are not careful, congregation will, will drive you to death. Since then, I've learned not to listen. They almost drove me to go and bring a preacher here. And as a matter of fact, I've invited the preacher. I've written him a letter. He's, all, he's agreed to come. Already communicating. Before you said Jack Solomon, something broke in the city. And I was at the center of it. I had to retrieve my letter. I said, I'm not, don't come again. <laughs> Praise God. And I, 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 I will never stop thanking God that I had the boldness to say no. You don't want a string fire on your pulpit. Praise the Lord. You see, the at, at times when I see people invite all kinds of people to their church I, I say what exactly are you looking for what, what, you, what are you looking for is it just to, to be happy that somebody came to your pulpit a big name drawing out 30,000, 60,000, 100,000 and so you can draw 100,000 in the stadium without Jesus 
people draw crowd in the club without Jesus so it's not about crowd what are they saying church as far as entertainment and comedy glory to God comedy will not cut this today's challenge comedy now I'm not taking away from some of you who are comedians so don't think I'm, I'm I'm calling you out no what I mean comedy that is coming to pulpit and doing doing GBTYO mm -mm. tonight we are graced to have this man who is coming you know I'm still waiting for the day I will catch Dr. Tabi wearing suit I've not seen him wearing suit <laughs> you go to Ghana it is Abada you will see the only church you will see is Ankara shirt and trouser but I, I mean do you ever wear suit at all <laughs> He's so passionate about Africa. He's so passionate. <laughs> Glory to God. Dr. Tabi presides over in the international gospel churches across nations. Multitudes and more strong pastors. Strong pastors. His conference, when he's holding his conference that comes up in August, the whole Ghana is shut down. The whole Accra is shut down. I mean, it's shut down, literally. It's not, I mean, shut down. Everywhere shut down. Government knows that something is happening in Accra. Everywhere. I mean, it takes somebody with grace to be able to carry us, carry out such an a, a assignment that God has given to him. We are happy, Doc. We are happy to have you. It's always joy to just have you around and for us to share. Join me and welcome this tonight, Doctor Mensa Otabi, celebrating. Christ has already gone ahead. Gone uh, Bishop Mike, thank you so much. We don't take it for granted. The continuous endorsement uh, for us to come here. And uh, I appreciate uh, who you are, your leadership, you as a gift, your example, your consistency, your, your, your endurance uh, for, for God, for his kingdom. Bishop Peace, thank you so much for your friendship for your consistency over the years. The two of you are a great example to all of us. And we look up to you, up to you, to become more and more like you. In fact, when Bishop Mike was speaking just a few minutes, I was praying, I said, Lord, I need to be like this guy. <laughs> I need to be like him, I need to be like him, to have the vigor, the conviction, uh, to stay true to the word of God, stay true to the Lord Jesus Christ in all these years um, and not shift and not try to play games and gimmicks but just stay committed to the Lord. Uh, that's something to be treasured.
and of course uh, the Lion of Zimbabwe, uh, Bishop Tudor Bismarck, thank you so much. It's always uh, difficult for me to come after him um, because he's a very eloquent, forceful, powerful, intelligent communicator of the Word of God. And so when you're preaching after him, you need uh, special grace to survive. So just pray for me as I'm, I'm, I'm doing my job here. Amen. I don't know what prompted Bishop uh, to take this theme of uh, Jesus. Uh, it's a long time since we heard of Jesus in a conference. We are talking about double-double. We're talking about breakthrough. We are talking about catching this and catching that and receiving this and all of that. And most of the time, uh, Jesus is out. So it's good for us to remember and to be reminded that everything is on Jesus. And, uh, you know, these days, Jesus has become a punctuation mark at the end of prayer uh, or a name we used to demand things. I want a husband in Jesus' name. I want a wife in Jesus' name. I need money. And then we have to add the name of Jesus, almost as if to bully God and say, if you don't give me what I want, I will blame you because you say this is the name I should use in prayer. So the name of Jesus Christ has become uh, uh, a bullying name that we use in prayer. The sad thing is most of us use his name, but we don't know him. And we don't care to know him. And we don't pay attention to why his name is even important in prayer. Uh, and why we need to use his name and, and, and who he is and, and what he represents. So we have to go beyond using Jesus to get things. To knowing Jesus and who he is. And knowing Jesus and what he represents for us and what he came to give to us so i'm going to teach uh tonight um it's going to be a bit doctrinal and you may not get inspired much and i don't really care much whether you get inspired or not <laughs> um and it may not give you the husband you're looking for or the wife you're looking for you can come tomorrow for that but I feel that since we are talking about the name Jesus, we have to do something a bit more fundamental so that it doesn't just become demand, 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 get, 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 get. So I'm teaching tonight in the few minutes that I have on a very important subject related to Jesus and it's called the incarnation. The incarnation. Incarnation is I-N-C-A-R-N-A-T-I-O-N. 
I-N-C-A-R-N-A-T-I-O-N, just so you spell it right. At the heart of our relationship with Jesus is this Christian doctrine called the Incarnation. And the Incarnation simply says that Jesus Christ is the eternal second person of the Trinity who in time took upon himself a complete human nature by being born of the Virgin Mary through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ is the eternal second person of the Trinity who in time took upon himself a complete human nature by being born of the Virgin Mary through the power of the Holy Spirit. There are important words like eternal, words like second person, words like trinity, time, complete human nature, born, Virgin Mary, Holy Spirit. There is another word related to the incarnation, and that word is kenosis, K-E-N-O-S-I-S, kenosis. Kenosis simply means that Jesus emptied himself of his divine nature in order to take on a human nature. He emptied himself. So in the incarnation, there is also the concept of the kenosis. And it is this process that Jesus came to us. Throughout the scripture, the intent of scripture, the intention of God has always been that he who is eternal and he who is spirit, who has created the universe which is physical, will join both the eternal and spiritual with the physical. So God did not create the world or the universe and abandon it. His desire has always been that he will be present in his creation. And so when you read the Bible, the first verse of the Bible and the last sentences or the last chapter of the Bible coincide. The first verse in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And in the last chapter, it says, and the God brought his new earth as a bride adorned from heaven to the new earth, to the earth. So God's desire has always been to join heaven and earth. Heaven and earth are not supposed to be two different parts, opposite and apart. 
there are two different parts opposites but joined together and what God joins together we must not put asunder and first Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 in a sense summarizes what the incarnation is first Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 and it says and without controversy great is the mystery of godliness God was manifested in the flesh justified in the spirit seen by angels preached among the Gentiles believed on in the world received up in glory it starts with God manifested in the flesh Jesus Christ pre-existed his birth so he did not come into existence when he was born he did not come into existence when he was conceived he pre-existed his birth and not only did he pre-existed exist his birth he pre-existed the creation of the universe because John says clearly that he not only was with God but he is God and all things were made by him and without him was anything made that was made including the womb that carried him he prepared his mother he prepared his mother's womb and he chose his entrance into the world by that which he has already created Jesus Christ was not just an innocent baby who was born lived in Galilee and finally got a concept that he was somebody special whose disciples later on decided that he must be God no he was God who created all things in the beginning and he has always existed but at the point in his eternal existence he had to step into time because there is something that has to be rescued and that which has to be rescued was his image that has gone bad and no one could pursue his image to rescue his image except him who created would be him who redeems he is God manifested in the flesh the Bible says that is a mystery the eternal came into time and at the time he was incarnated he was truly God truly human that is the Christian creed possessing two natures which are not confused changed divided or separated 
there was no point when he was not a human being when he was on earth and there was no point when he was not God he the transcendent God the God who is above all creation the God who cannot be contained even by the universe because he created the universe the God who is bigger than the universe and by the way the universe is a very big place according to current scientific measurement the universe is 13.7 billion light years wide what is a light year light travels at the speed of 167 is this 760 87 86 which one those of you who went to university 187,000 miles per second that's the speed of light so if you want to get one light here it is 187,000 times 60 one minute times 60 one hour times 24 one day times 365 one year that is one light year times 1 billion times 13 billion point seven that's how the universe is you, your mind can get it and it can't contain God. God is bigger than that. But in the incarnation, the God who is greater than the universe chose a virgin's womb to manifest his presence here on earth so that in that act, he will pursue you and I to deliver us from the power of sin unto eternal salvation. Now, when you consider the magnitude of the incarnation, then you can consider the magnitude of the person being pursued. Because if God would so pursue us through such a process you must be ultimately far more valuable than a space of 13.7 billion light years that's why the psalmist will say when i consider all this universe then i ask myself what is man that you would bring yourself to this level to pursue and to deliver the incarnate one 
did not step into the earth to pursue galaxies in the atmosphere he came because his image was contaminated and he needed to make his image right that is why to an extent it is an insult to think that he will go to this extent to get you right and lightly leave you are you getting it and lightly leave you because you did something wrong yesterday so he says all this work is of no value because you did something wrong last night so did you think when he was conceiving of the incarnation he didn't know you you think he thought you were a perfect person no whilst we were yet sinners we were messing up big time the creator of the universe decided i need to pursue my own and to do that this is the process i use the process he used shows us the value he attaches to us Through the incarnation, God, the creator, the uncreated one who created all things, spiritual and material, the unseen one, the God whom no eye sees and no eye can see, the, even the angels cover their face before his presence. In eternity, they cover their face. They've never seen him. He cannot be contained. Cherubim, seraphim, magnificent angelic beings, far more splendid than you can ever imagine, shield their face. And yet he allowed us to see his face. The unseen one manifested himself, revealed Christ made God known to us, proclaimed he brought God's word to us, and he had a real human body. John chapter 1 verse 14 puts it this way, and the word became the word became flesh that's quite a, a load of statement the word did not manifest flesh the word did not produce flesh the word itself transformed and became flesh we call him jesus but eternally he has been called the word God the word but God the word 
became flesh, took on our nature. And when you go to heaven, the Godhead has a human representation. Because he never shed off that image. So when we say the Christian creed, we say, I believe in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Very powerful words. I believe that everything Jesus did was premised on the incarnation. Because if he had not been born, he would not die. If he had not been born, he would not resurrect. If he had not been born, we would not be saved. Without the incarnation, nothing happens. Everything about Jesus Christ is premised on the incarnation. It's amazing that we don't preach much about it. But if he had not come, you couldn't use his name for whatever you are using his name for. If he had not come, you couldn't be healed. You couldn't be saved. You couldn't be delivered. You couldn't be baptized. Nothing will happen. Everything about Christianity is based on the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why as a, as a person, I, I like Christmas. I like Christmas. Christmas is powerful. It's more powerful than Easter. Because without Christmas, there'll be no Easter. If he had not been born, he wouldn't die. I know people have problems. They say, was Jesus born in December? December is the sun, God, whatever, whatever. Do I care? You know, we make, we, make, we make a fuss about unnecessary things. The man was born. The incarnation took place. It's a historical reality. It happened in real time. It happened in a physical time. We don't know the time, but it happened. You know, uh, our first president in Ghana, uh, he's called Kwame Nkrumah. And like most people of his age, he doesn't know when he was born. His mother told him when that ship came and crossed over and the ship, whatever, whatever ship, nobody knows when the ship came, which was the first one, the third one, whatever. So finally he decided that he was born. He just decided I was born somewhere. I was born at a certain time, so he chose a date, September 21st, and it's a public holiday in Ghana. 
Nobody wonders, was Kwame Nkrumah really born September 21st? No, we don't care. He was born, and that is the day we have chosen to commemorate his entrance to the world. And there is a date. It could be December 25th. It could be August 31st, my birthday. It could be some other day. But somewhere in the 365 days of planet Earth, Jesus was incarnated. He was born. And don't let anybody make you say, well, well, if you're not going to do 25th December, which day are you going to celebrate? Which day? Tell me. Choose your date. Don't joke with Christmas. Don't joke with Christmas. Not because of chicken and food and nice clothes. Because we commemorate that historically one day in the life of this planet Earth. God, the eternal, the unseen one, the uncreated one, the unmoved mover, moved into our planet and manifested himself through a virgin's womb. And a child was born that is God in the flesh. And that is the beginning of our story. It is in his birth that we get our birth. It is in his life that we receive our life. It is in his presence that our story changes. If he had not come, that lady's story could never have happened. But thank God he came. He was born. He became flesh. There are people who sometimes teach, and there are all kinds of teachings about Jesus Christ, sometimes made on the spur of the moments by preachers. Uh, and sometimes they feel that Jesus Christ attained divinity. That through his death and resurrection, then he became divine. No. The incarnation says he eternally existed. He eternally existed. He created all things. And he manifested in what he has created. So that in him, we may be reconciled to God. He came to redeem humanity from sin. To give humanity victory over Satan. To provide a new image for humanity. Because the old image was messed up. And to give humanity a permanent place with God. The salvation of the believer. By virtue of everything Christ did. First, the mystery of the incarnation. Second, the brutal death he went through. Third, the magnificent unparalleled resurrection. All these three events, magnificent on their own right, 
come together to produce your salvation. Just think about it. That all of these three have to come together for a drunkard to be saved. And do you think God will go to this extent and lightly treat the person who has been saved? That's why when people preach things like when a believer makes a mistake, they lose their salvation. I understand the desire for people to live a holy life. I understand that we need to be conformed to Christ in thought and in deed. That we live a Christ-like life. I understand that. And I understand that no sin should be taken lightly. And I understand that because we have been redeemed by Christ, our lives must reflect him. That we must bear the fruit of the Spirit. But our intense desire for that should not make us minimize the product itself, the salvation that has come to us. Because sometimes in our desire for people to live right, we undercut their salvation and we minimize salvation and sometimes we make salvation a very temporary, changeable, almost like a light switch you can switch it on switch it back switch it on switch it back as if a person needs to be born again a thousand times in their lives because if you do this uh then you've lost your salvation so you lied oh i've lost salvation now lord forgive me for my lives okay you are saved again then next time you do something oh i had a bad thought i lost my salvation oh god forgive me my bad thought. you're saved again how many times do i need to be saved he came to purchase not a temporary redemption but the scripture says he came from eternity to purchase eternal redemption he came from eternity so that our salvation will be eternal the fact that your salvation is eternal does not mean live anyhow that is another matter but we must not confuse it with the potency of what Christ achieved for each one of us he purchased eternal redemption for us <clears throat> Colossians chapter 1 verse 26 to 27 The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you is heaven on earth christ is in you and god is in you christ in you the hope of glory
And all of that is possible because God came through Christ Jesus to give us eternal redemption. And in that work, he destroyed all the power of Satan because he had to complete his job. He did not destroy part of the powers of Satan. He destroyed all. And he disarmed them. He made a public show of them. Now, sometimes Africans feel that the African demons are so powerful that they need special attention. So, African demons need extra help to go. Because our father's house and our mother's house is so strong that uh, even after we are saved, the forces from our father's house will pursue us. People believe they have ancestral spirits that are beyond the name of the incarnated Christ. That somehow in the process of salvation, there were exempt clauses. The father's house of Africans are exempt from this clause of salvation. They need special attention. They must drink olive oil to add to what has happened to be saved. No, sir. No, mom. What Christ did for us is perfect and complete. It's perfect and complete. There is no demonic power that can hold a believer in bondage. You can concoct whatever theory you have, but the scripture has no space for that philosophy and theology. It is not in the New Testament and has no validity. We may preach it as preachers to keep people in church. That may be your church growth strategy. But it is not a biblical truth. In the incarnation, he who came died. He who died resurrected. He who resurrected ascended. He who ascended is not standing. Are you, are you getting me? He who ascended is not standing. Because if he is standing, it means there is still work to be done. But when he finished the process, he sat down, waiting till all his enemies. He's not working for the enemies to become a footstool. He's waiting because the issue is settled and it is going to happen and all the enemies shall be his footstool. That is where we stand as Christians. 
that is where we stand and we stand in that place in spite of every visual thing we have seen or physical sensations we have felt so if I am in a room and I hear and something stands in front of me and talks to me I will not respond I will not talk to the thing back because it has been defeated it is seeking to renegotiate space with me and I will not negotiate with it Christ has defeated you you may make noise but you are gone you may try to manifest but you have no power over me or over every believer the problem with African Christians when we see anything that is a demonic manifestation we review the work of Christ we take what we are seeing and try to use it to nullify what Christ has done instead of justifying what Christ has done in the midst of what we see and what we hear and what we experience are there demons yes are there active yes are they still manifesting yes because their time is not up but until that time i have victory over them so they have their liberty to roam the earth but not in my life not in my home not in my family because christ the incarnate one has destroyed their power listen to me don't renegotiate Christ don't renegotiate Christ because you had a bad experience don't renegotiate Christ because you pray for something and it didn't happen don't renegotiate Christ because you are waiting for a miracle and you haven't seen it don't use that to go and re negotiate something that eternity has already accomplished we stand in the fullness of what Jesus has done in him we have redemption in him not in ourselves but in him in him we have redemption in him we are seated in heavenly places we are citizens of two realms one realm called nigeria we may be having some issues here but we also are in another realm and we have no issues there we are seated in heavenly places in christ in god and the good thing is we can legislate power from our place above to control our place beneath you. Don't renegotiate the foundations of the Christian faith. Don't. And don't allow any preacher to use either a gift 
or some kind of supernatural whatever to try to rewrite the script. Because Christ is triumphant over everybody's experience. He's triumphant over everybody's experience. So you go to a meeting and somebody tells you your name is so and so. You come from so and so village. And so and so and so and so. Oh, fine. That's a nice information. I know it already. I know my name. I know the village I come from. I mean, you haven't said anything extraordinary. Your grandmother is, I know my grandmother. Your house is painted yellow. I know, I painted it yellow. You know, I mean, they give all that information. And you get bamboozled because somebody has told you something that is already known. Not only is it known, your neighbors know it. There's no extraordinary information. So he tells you all of that. I don't mind. You've given me information I already know. I know my name. I know my village. I know where I came from. I know my uncles. I know my aunties. But then he goes on to say, because of A, B, C, D happening in your family, that is why you cannot prosper. At that point, the line must be crossed. Because it is intruding into what Christ has done. If, if that is accepted, then the salvation of mankind has been renegotiated. At that point, you will say, thank you for giving me my national ID information. But at this point, we depart. Because I believe there may be witches in my family. I can't stop witches from being witches. Is their democratic right? I can't stop them. They want to be witch, that's up to them. But I also have a right. They can't mess up my life. They can't interfere in my life. They can't interfere in my future. They cannot make my wife barren. They cannot make my husband impotent. They cannot steal my business ideas. They cannot stop my business from flourishing. You have to know that. You have to know that. I have to know that. We have to know that. And all of that is real. Because when we went astray, God did not send an angel to pursue us. When we went astray, he didn't send the four and twenty elders to pursue us. He didn't send the living creatures to come and pursue us. When we went astray and couldn't extricate ourselves because we were bound by a man greater than us, a force we couldn't break ourselves out of, God decided, I'm going to do it myself. I will do it myself. That is Christian theology. That is no African traditional religion. 
That is not polytheism. That is not uh, pantheism. This is Africa. This is Christian theology. God himself pursued us. And to think that you think he didn't do a competent job. Because you went to a meeting and somebody gave you a clue and said, yeah, your salvation is true. Yeah, it's true that Jesus saved us. It's true. But listen, there are things in this world, oh, there are things in this world. What, what do you mean there are things in this world? There are things in this world greater than the creator of the universe who pursued us. There are things in this world greater. Yeah, I know there are things in this world. I know there are powers in this world. But the apostle Paul says all these powers come to nothing. They are zero. In fact, when they asked Paul about food that is offered to idols, he said, really? It is nothing. They are nothing. That's why mad people go and eat food offered to idols in the villages. And they, they continue their lives. continue little boys little boys go and steal all the food they give it to the other they go and eat and they continue they become professors later in life because, because Paul, Paul says they are nothing but if it disturbs other people then maybe don't eat it it didn't say there is something in it it's just that the person has a weak mind so he says, for their weaknesses sake, you can decide to make some adjustments. But the reality is, there are powers, but they are nothing. And they didn't become nothing because of me. And they didn't become nothing because of my pastor. And they didn't become nothing because I, I, I tithe or, or because I give to church. They became nothing because God stepped into their game and he did a total work completed it sufficiently efficiently effectively for them and for all time he completed the work for us and so we stand in the fullness of Christ and what he has done for us that through him we can walk in the fullness of victory that is ours I don't know where you are in your Christian life but God has already come for you God has already pursued you I don't know what you need but God in Christ has made provision for your healing God in Christ has made provision for your deliverance God in Christ has made provision for everything you will ever need in Christ he is the supplier of our need today we just want to honor the Lord Jesus Christ we want to honor his name we want to worship his name worthy is the lamb who was slain and who has redeemed us lift up your hands to the Lord this morning this evening and begin to honor him and declare his praise and thank him for the great work he has accomplished for us.
the great work of salvation the great work of deliverance he's our hope he's our health in his name every knee bows demons bow sicknesses bow and at this moment the name of Jesus is working in this auditorium the name of Jesus is working in your life healings are taking place for you right now you don't need anybody to lay hands on you he who healed you is competent enough to impart the healing to you you can receive from him wherever you are you can receive from him at any time you don't need anybody laying hands on you necessarily the power of god is towards you receive help receive help receive help receive help receive help receive deliverance receive help receive help receive a turnaround receive healing receive restoration receive restoration whatever the enemy has destroyed is restored walk in restoration walk in restoration walk in restoration walk in restoration walk in victory walk in abundance walk in abundant life in the name of jesus in the name of jesus there is healing for the children of god father we thank you this evening that two thousand years ago at a historical moment in time in the fullness of time you came through a virgin's womb and you showed us what life is all about you showed us that when the storms are high we can walk on them you showed us that when enemies surround us we can walk through the enemies you showed us how to re rebuke the storm you showed us when demons appear in our vicinity we will cast them out and so lord we take our stand as children of the most high god and walking in the victory that is ours that has already been purchased for us worthy is the lamb who was slain worthy are you O lord you are worthy to be praised, O oh Jesus. Worthy is the Lamb of God, our Redeemer, our Deliverer, our Helper. Thank you for what you have accomplished for us and for the victory that we have in your name. And thank you for the incarnation that it made it possible for God to step in this human world to redeem his image that was lost. We give you praise, Father. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.
is the Lord. Are you blessed this session? What a word. What a word we've received. That is the gospel from Genesis to Revelation in 40 minutes. That's the gospel in a nutshell. In a nutshell. That's all. If we close the conference now maybe you have had it all but there is more can I hear loud amen one thing I've said is that I don't want you to leave here and you go back to your stations or wherever you are coming from doing business as usual there comes a time you tell yourself the truth. You, the, the, the worst thing you can do to yourself is to lie to yourself. To be lying to yourself. People ask what's motivating me is because I refuse to lie to myself. If something is work, not working, I will tell my, if this thing is not working, because I want it to work. That keeps me seeking. That keeps me on edge. What a word. What a word. Because at times, some of us, simply because some of these magicians are so, so much dramatic and in what they do we want we think that that's what brings crowd the the problem with that is that if if such a thing brings crowd for you you must be manufacturing other things to keep them so you keep on lying only the name of gospel you are lying from every day you tell another lie no What's wrong in preaching the simplicity of the gospel and go home? Is it your work? Praise God. The word of God works. It works. Praise God. We're going to receive the offering and those of you who made some pledges and you you have the freedom to come with it now and drop it here you made some pledges as we received the offering can you can you please put the offering and everything on the screen oh you are i, I was wondering who uh, is a very humble man he is not the offering man for Trim. The offering today comprises of your pledges that you made with Pastor Matthew. They are those that were not here. 
He has called for certain levels of offering. And so we are going to encourage you now, for those of you that have your offering, you pledge for Pastor Matthew, we want you to get it ready because we want to pray for you. Those who would like to join, it's a thousand dollars, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Can you please, if you have that pledge, come. But everybody else with a significant offering today. Because our offerings, I said to Chichi at the beginning of the year, I want to be like Cornelius where two things happen. Number one, my prayers are a memorial unto God. And number two, my offerings. And we have given thousands, ten thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. I'm not sure I've reached a memorial stage. And so I want to get there. And so I'm joining with the rest of you that have pledged and you have your $1,000. Please come, let me pray for you. Come quickly, come quickly, move quickly. Come, come quickly. Just stand right here, stand, keep coming, keep coming. If you want to participate and you have not raised your hand, an envelope will be provided for you. Thank you. Thank you. Keep coming. There might be some watching online and you'd like to participate in the offering. It's being flashed up on the screen. You can do so. And if you're in another country, there's provision that's being made for you to bring your offering. Today, we want a memorial offering. Everyone else, please don't look at your magazines. Please get your offering together. Please get your offering together. Please get your offering together. So there's 100,000 Naira, 24,000 Naira, 240,000 Naira. Uh, what's that in US? If, if you know the amounts, I'm trying to figure out, please can you stand and come with those now? Can you come and stand here with me now? Come stand with me now, come stand with me now. Come my dear, come, 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 come. Please move quickly, guys. Please move quickly. I want to pray for you. Come, 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 come. Everybody else put an offering in your hand. Ushers, get ready to serve. I learned that giving draws apostolic grace to your house. An angel was commissioned to Cornelius to say your offering is bringing apostolic message to your house. Father, we thank you for the apostolic grace on every person who's being drawn in their giving. For some it's sacrificial, for some it's over your overflow, we thank you. Let's all stand with our offering, stand with your offering, stand with your offering. Raise it above your head if you have it. Father, we thank you for giving us 
seed to sow so that we can have bread to eat. Bless every giver, bless our offering, cause our generations to be blessed by our giving. Bless our children, our children's children, like Abraham giving. Let generations unborn to time be blessed in this holy convocation offering. We bless it, we receive it in the name of Jesus. Please place it on the altar. You are blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Chichi. Put it here for us. Amen. Amen. Music is coming. Ashes are serving you. Please give an offering.
Thank you for listening to another message. God's blessing be with you now and forever. For counseling, email trem at tremusa.org. Remain blessed.